Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Atomic Weight of Cheese with your hosts, Mike Bakovin, Chad Planbeck, and Stephanie Romanski. You asked asked how I am. I'm destroying my teeth. I'm grinding my teeth to the point where they're shattering. So I need it. Yeah, yeah. That's that's another interesting thing about getting old. I'm having teeth. I've had two teeth fall out of my head in the past five months. Interesting. So I need to... I need to Stress? stop doing that and get like a mouth guard or something. Okay. Well, my memory is just slowly leaking out one ear. <laughs> and so, who are you people? Who are you people? What are we doing? Why here? are you in my house? <laughs> How are Same. you doing, Steph? Why am I in the kitchen? I have no idea. <laughs> well, tell us about the, uh, it looks like your table things are going great. My what? Your, uh, oh, your oh, my flips? Continued furniture adventures. Yeah, um, people keep giving me furniture. <laughs> the nightstand I just did, my sister found it on the marketplace for free and gave it to me to to do something with, and I decided to keep it. And because that's the problem is I fix it up and then I don't want to sell it because I like it. Now I'm like, we started out in this new apartment with not really furniture to fill everything, and now I have too yeah. much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that my dining so room is is pretty much the work area now. <laughs> crazy but how did you learn how to do this self-taught you know google youtube videos um if i run into a problem while i'm doing something i google how to fix it like what what tools i need and stuff so i still don't know anybody here apart from my furniture fairy godmother (laughs) and um, (laughs) she's given me four pieces of furniture now i think and she tried to give me a baby grand piano Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. What would you have done with a baby grand piano? Nothing, because I don't have room for that sort of thing. Here. <laughs> but you would be amazed at how many people around here are giving away pianos for free. So many. Do you know from what I would from do? grands to uprights? You know. Yeah. If I found myself uh, unemployed in the next whatever, I think I would try to figure out how to become a piano tuner because those people yeah. pull down a lot of money and are like super in demand. Okay. It's yeah. like uh, it's like the the musical version of a plumber, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I'm told that's part of the reason why they end up just giving them away, is a they're not really you know like Steinways or anything, but it would cost too much to move and cost too much to get tuned, and yeah. they got it for looks and didn't really know how to play, you know that sort of thing. Gotta so. learn. I'm gonna learn how to play. Yeah. Yeah, my, my the furniture lady, she she was like uh, gifted this piano from a family, a relative or something, and oh, here sure have a it. piano. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. So I mean, jogging, that's about it. <laughs> I can play the opening riff on a guitar to Twentieth Century Boy, and that's my musical talent right there. And I can also pick <laughs> out the theme from Close Encounters. <laughs> oh, and I can play the sting. <laughs> I love the uh, the Bugs Bunny bit where he goes da na 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 so okay, every now and then we will uh, we will do a podcast as to whatever uh, whatever kind of catches our imagination. And uh, uh, Chad brought up that uh, Cloris Leachman died here a couple of weeks ago. Yep. And Cloris Leachman, it, it strikes me as one of those things where it's like was always a bigger deal than she seemed. 
and w one of those people that when you dive into what she did, she did more than you thought. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think at the end of the day, I, I think she's a national treasure. And it's one of these things, it's like, I think people kind of come from it two ways. Like, people know her for, mostly for her comedy, you know, and like her situational comedies and stuff. But it's like, she's also really good at the dramatic stuff, too. And, but you kind of got to dig for that. But yeah, she's, she's, like I said, I think she's a national treasure. And yeah. And it's that, this one hurts. Yep. So, so we'll, and we'll get into that a little bit and, and recap a little bit about what we've, what we've seen her in. But yeah, just kind of a... I, I always have this thing when, when people who are older pass away. I mean, she was what, what, 93, 94. She's up there. Yeah. And decades, not sure. Yeah. It's like, if I get, if I get to 93, I'm going to be like really, really happy to have done it, you know? Yeah. And, and uh, it's like, no, don't cry at my funeral. I made it to 93. Are you kidding? You know? And, and so I always split the difference between like, Oh, it's, it's sad that this talent has passed away and man, she had a good run. Right. So I think that's how we're going to frame it's the, a celebration, not a dirge. Yep. Yeah. Frame the podcast is man, this woman had a good run. And uh, if you guys don't mind me starting off sure. uh, the, the thing that I think she's most popular for her piece of art that has endured the most is her uh, portrayal of Frau Brucher. <laughs> in in Mel Brooks's uh, Young Frankenstein, you're gonna cut in the horses there, right? <laughs> I'll just cut in the horses, and then probably her saying "Ovardine" oh, <laughs> multiple times. Multiple times. I suggest you put on a tie. <laughs> <laughs> he was my boyfriend. <laughs> so, what can be said about Young Frankenstein? <laughs> I had a million times, but but. Uh, in the in my thoughts on Young Frankenstein is like in the midst of probably two all-time comedic performances, she somehow manages to steal every scene she's in. Yep. You know, I mean Gene yeah. Hackman killing it, and then Wilder. Peter Gene Bo Wilder. or Gene Wilder. Yeah. yeah, Gene Hackman was the blind guy in that movie. That's right. what I meant. No, Gene Hackman he also killed it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, Gene Hackman was in that movie. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, Gene Wilder just just uh, uh you know eviscerating things, and then then Peter Boyle. Um, <laughs> good old zipper neck. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I laugh whenever I think of him looking at his thumb, thumb on fire. And going, <laughs> but in the middle of that, you have Cloris Leachman, who shows up and is the uh, uh, keeper of the of the castle Frankenstein yep. and um, player of the fiddle that they follow around yep. uh, all around, and, and is just just a, a joy to kind of watch. And like the thing I, I love is when when an entire cast understands the movie they're in. Yep. And you think Mel Brooks is like really good at saying, okay, this is the kind of movie you're doing. <laughs> and everybody gets on board and she's like totally on board. And I love that. Yeah. <laughs> or, uh, uh, or like looking at the outtakes where, you know, she, I've ever seen the she's like, she, you know, she's trying to get through her scene, but she keeps cracking Gene up <laughs> and she'd get mad. He's <laughs> like, Gene, that was a good take. And he ruined it. And he lost <laughs> in the middle of it. So stop being so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Was she? Was she? I don't know if she was improving or if that was very regiment regimented rehearsed. I assume they probably stuck to the script a lot. I think yeah. because if they didn't, you'd wind up with uh, the Ghostbusters remake. <laughs> but, <laughs> but but I kid the Ghostbusters remake. But anyway, no, I think I think it was pretty tightly scripted. I'm sure there was a little room for improvisation because because um, like that was Wilder and Brooks who wrote that. Yeah, and so it's like why mess with perfection? Why mess? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Can, can I go off on a, on a patented tangent here? Absolutely. Um, I once heard an interview with Sam Kinison where he said that they were asking him, you scream all the time on stage. Where did you get that style? Oh, he yeah. goes, I don't scream all the time. I build up to a screaming 
uh, situation and I stole that from Gene Wilder. And I always thought that was a really interesting, <laughs> it's like taking the thing Wilder did and then, then twisting it, you know, a whole bunch and then adding a lot of F-bombs and, yeah. and, uh, and sex <laughs> jokes and you've got Sam Kinison, you know, it's yeah. like two, two turn, two lefts and a right from Gene Wilder, yeah. which I thought was kind of crazy. Well, the, like, one of the best parts about that movie too is a sort of, a, it's a shifting straight man. Yes, totally. It, it depends on, you know, from scene to scene, you know, who's, who's, you know, who's, 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 who's the punctuation for the joke. Yeah. And that doesn't always work, but it right. worked really well in this movie. Right. And so, cause like I said, she's, like I said, she's not necessarily the villain of the piece, but, um, she's sort of the, the thing that moves the plot along. Yeah. <laughs> and so without but, yeah. her, we'd just be hanging out yeah. with funny people in a castle. Yeah. yeah. Cause <laughs> honestly, like, like shifted to another movie that Mel Brooks did. You know, I love her in Young Frankenstein, but I think she's actually better in High Anxiety. Yeah, High Anxiety is really Nurse good. Diesel. Oh, I forgot. I forgot she was in that. Yeah. Oh, man, I love that. You movie. lose her. Yeah. You lose her so much. And that's that's the thing that I love about her so much, especially like in her dramatic roles. It's like, because if you're used to her comedy stuff, it's like, who is this person? <laughs> and so. Yeah, she was the nurse ratchet analog yeah, in that movie yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, dominating Harvey Corbin. <laughs> You want more discipline than what you want. <laughs> she was very good in that. I remember her facial expression. I love that scene where they're like plotting and they're moving dishes. They're shooting up through the glass table mm -hmm. and they keep moving dishes around, kind yeah. of blocking the shot. It's so great. <laughs> it's a great guy. Yeah. Uh, and Mel Brooks is still kicking too. He's one of those other guys that when he finally goes to the trip, oh. will be like, man, what a good run you had, dude. Yeah. You know? So... All right, who has a, another uh, Cloris Leachman performance I want to toss out there? Her with and well, as an actor. It's it's a comedic role again, but it was um, her her turn on uh, Facts of Life when Edna Garrett left the show. That's um, another thing I forgot she was on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I I remember it because I was a big Facts of Life fan back in the day, and um, but she she was you know obviously comedic, but she was not Frau Blucher <laughs> comedic, you know. Sure. Yep. So, so it was, it was more of a, um, a, a I guess I want to say like a normal role, you know, um, uh, she kind of, you know, took care of the girls, um, from, from the boarding house and they opened a shop or something like that. I don't know. Um, yeah. So I thought that's something that sticks out and I'm just looking through her IMDB right now and she was on the love boat. <laughs> Everybody was on the it's love boat. I was on the love boat. <laughs> I, I was looking at it and like her career goes back to like 1948. Wow. Yeah. Her, her first credited role, I wrote it down, was Dora the Maid in the Night Must Fall episode of the Ford Theater Hour. Oh my gosh. And she made her feature film debut in uh, Robert Altman Kiss Me Deadly. Not Robert, was that, no it's not, not Robert Altman. Or was it Robert? Altman? I don't think so. Okay. If Who only there were a database. If only there was an online database we could check. But anyway, yeah, no, she's the doomed uh, femme fatale in the beginning. She's in it for like three seconds. She's in it because like Mike Hammer fights. She's like running. She's like escaped from the asylum. And Mike Hammer fights around on the road. And then <laughs> before they know it, they're in a hotel room and she's being tortured to death. Oh my. <laughs> and then she's done. She's out. But then again, huh. that's sort of the, uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, Allure. The fuse that's lit that gets the story going. Yeah, she was in uh, Butch Robert Cassidy Aldrich. and the Sundance Robert Kid. Aldrich. Thank you. Sorry, Aldrich. Steph. Go ahead. She was in uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid too. Was she? Yes, she yeah. was. Who was she in Butch Cassidy? I don't, I don't Agnes. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I thought I know that movie pretty well. Again, she disappears. Yeah. 
So, like the definition of an actress, right? It's right. like it takes a right. role and disappears into it. She's right? not one of those actresses where you go, "Oh, it's Cloris Nietzscheman," you know. She's yep. she's you don't you forget that's who she is. Yeah. As opposed, unlike to someone like Tom Cruise, you know, is always right. Tom Cruise. Right. Well, the brightest shining stars in Hollywood at the time were Redford and and uh, Newman. Uh, Newman. Yeah. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's like, oh my God, she was in that movie. That's crazy. She's kind of grounds. <laughs> yeah. I said she's a, not necessarily a lightning rod, but like I said, she just grounds everything that movie needed a little bit of grounding ash beat you know yeah yeah, yeah. and like well let's, let's do a music video in the middle of our western movie <laughs> and then don't forget phyllis on mary tyler moore right okay talk about that a little bit because i never watched mary tyler moore and always meant to get around to it oh my god you should it's yeah, a great it's show like how many spinoffs does that show have like phyllis yeah and lou grant lou grant and yeah the other gal the other gal spun off wrote was it rhoda Rhoda Morgan Stern. Yeah, that's right. And the thing that I actually remember about Phyllis is it was actually it was fairly progressive. It was like she was living in San Francisco, but it was like the worst theme and intro. <laughs> and let's cut to that right now. it's not very good (laughs) so but yeah no like her husband died and she's sort of left penniless because he didn't pay up on his insurance or something and so she has to go move in with her parents and uh, so she's like a single woman right right, single woman raising a kid and uh, so like yeah it's kind of like a 70s progressive progressivism i guess progressivism is that a word yes okay (laughs) congratulations Congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh anyway Reset. wow she's in wonder woman the original i remember who was she in wonder woman queen hippolyta she was her mom. oh my god she was her she was wonder- <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that's fantastic who remembers that i don't i didn't <laughs> she was in a herbie goes bananas yeah uh jesus north avenue of regulars that's another disney movie uh mm-hmm. scavenger hunt she was in Scavenger She Hunt? was Mildred. She was the baddie old dame with Richard Benjamin and, and right. Richard Mazur. <laughs> yeah, so she was she was the Vincent Price's daughter. Mm-hmm. Scavenger mm-hmm. Hunt's a wonderful film if you've never seen it. We it's, could do a whole episode yeah, of Scavenger Hunt. Yeah, it's like uh, the, uh, uh, Vincent Price is the is, the, yep. is uh, like a board game mobile impresario. Impresario, yeah. he dies, and then an almost unrecognizable Vincent Price, right? If I'm not and, and then the gist of the movie is. All his heirs must compete in like this citywide scavenger hunt <laughs> to you know, whoever who scores the most points with stuff collected inherits everything. <sighs> and so and, and he's, it's, it's really hysterical. And she's good in that. I remember, Everybody's I in that, in that yeah. movie. Yeah. Tony Randall's in that movie. Arnold Schwarzenegger is in that he movie. He is. Uh, uh, Dirk Benedict. Um, um, uh, Roddy McDowell. Uh, Cleavon <laughs> Little. Yep. Uh, James Coco. <laughs> 
and that the list was, goes on and on and on. That and is so, a, that is a fun movie, yeah. Scavenger Hunt. Yeah. And again, with all that stuff, she's like she just she kind of steals the movie a little bit as this baddie old, crazy <laughs> old dame who's just like cutthroat and just oh, it's funny. So. Yeah. Well, I remember her also. Since we're just kind of bouncing yeah. around, just um, keep, yeah, keep it coming. Every every now and again, uh, I will fall into a uh, reality TV rabbit hole or my family will fall into said rabbit hole. And usually it's something good like nailed it or face off or something. But we went through a dances with the stars phase when she was on there. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those things where she last, she was an older lady of course, and could not compete with the Disney pop stars that they bring on that freaking show. And <laughs> competed by being utterly charming and like completely messing up the host and swearing all the time and <laughs> and just kind of being the the whirling dervis force of personality yeah. that got people to vote for her and yeah. so they, they believed her more in that show than they believed anybody and tom bergeron just did not know what to do with her by the end of it. And, uh, good oh, how, how are you how do you do uh you know how are you doing Clarissa? Like, like, well uh, my feet fucking hurt you yeah. know <laughs> Was it, was it uh, Beer Fest, Broken Lizard? Yeah. Where she's the mom. <laughs> she's the mom in Beer and, Fest. Oh the, we've God. got those Broken Lizard guys who I think are very hysterical. Yeah. But they get in a room with her and they just blow, she blows them all out of the water. Yep. She's very good at <laughs> <in> that. <laughs> Messing with the sausages. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, God. So, and uh, also, like, and delving back into my childhood, she was in so many made for tv movies okay. that were just just and uh i, I kind of missed the golden age of the made for TV oh my movie. god the okay. 70s was a golden age for mm -hmm. me for TV movies. she's a, um there was a really good one it's called a brand new life it's her and martin balsam is kind of they're oh, in their like they're, she's there in their 40s and they gave up on having kids a while ago because they just couldn't make it happen and she's got a wonderful job and suddenly she's pregnant and so you're kind of waiting for the shooter job. They had an affair and they're like, nope, it's just they're having a baby. And it's like, do we want to keep this? Huh. Because we are so set in our ways in our ways and what we do. And it's like you said, when this kid graduates, we're going to be 60. Uh. You know, that kind of thing. So it's like, so what do we do? And it's just, and it's doesn't really pull any punches. And it's, it's, and it's so good. <laughs> These are wonderful people. Crazy. And you feel for them. Yeah, and so and you know they just you just kind of follow the story because it's like at first the husband is excited, but as the as the as the as the pregnancy grows, it's like he's losing his wife, and mm -hmm. he's afraid he's going to lose his wife to this kid, and so it just there's just all this ups and downs and ins and outs, and it's just like oh this is so good. I bet you Martin Balsam could play that really well too. Yep. Yeah, he'd be a good person yep. for that. That's really good. And then um, there's another one. It's called Someone I Touched. <laughs> where uh it's, <laughs> i know uh, it's about venereal disease oh no and, uh, <laughs> and uh it's it but again they, they treat oh, it very seriously i would love to see her play that for laughs that yeah right right no and it's just, basically she gets informed that somewhere in the like sleeping around or whatever or, or like she thinks it, it's what he thinks they think the husband is is where she got it from because he was screwing around and no it turns out <laughs> She's the one who gave it to him. Uh, <laughs> you know, so, oh, burn. Really literally. Good. And then uh, there's a good one called Death Sentence, where she's a juror in a murder trial. And gets a venereal disease. <laughs> no, no. And uh, I think the, the, the guy on trial is like Nick Nolte. Oh. And, uh, and then she comes to find out that he's innocent because her husband did it. <laughs> and so what do you do? Okay. 
And then there's a really good thriller called Dying Room Only. And it's like her and Dabney Coleman. And they're out in the middle of nowhere. And they kind of stop at a diner. And I think, remember, like, she goes to the bathroom. She comes back out. And her husband has disappeared. And, no, and like, the guys, whoever, there's, like, three people in the bar. And they're, like, going, no, you came in alone. Uh, and then it kind of, and then they bring in the cops. And it's like, no, she came in alone. This lady's crazy. And then kind of, okay, so it's like this conspiracy thing. It's like, where'd her husband go? And it's really good. It's called Dying Room Only. Huh. And so. Bad name, good premise. Yeah. And so. Yeah, but no, she was in a ton. A ton like, her, like you said, you just looked at like her TV credits. She was in everything. Yeah. She was in Adam 12 for God's sake. <laughs> the Office, apparently. She was Bob's in the Burgers. Office. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, Malcolm in the Middle. Yes. Yeah, Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah, she marries James Hong. Yes. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I vividly remember that. That one's hard to forget. <laughs> I watched that whole thing not too long ago. All of Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah. And it's like it holds and up. Hal and Hal and who was the what was the wife? Lois. Hal and Lois are like yeah. two of my favorite parents. <laughs> it's like Red and Kitty Foreman, Hal yeah. and Lois, and Rob and Laura Petrie. What's funny is that two of those three went on to be like the best villains in TV, right. in, in movies. You know, Kurtwood Smith was in RoboCop. And, yeah. and, uh, Bitches uh, leave. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, Walter White, uh, uh, Brian Cranston was Walter White right. later on. Like, yeah, I love that, you know. <laughs> okay, so that brings us to uh, her most acclaimed work, probably, which was Last Picture Show, would oh, you say? Oh, God, yes. Do you want to set Oscar that up? winning? Yeah. yeah, she won an Oscar for Last Picture. Yeah, right? oh, that was uh, Peter Bogdanovich's follow up through right. uh, Ravelson through uh, through their company, uh-huh. and uh, written by Larry McMurtry, and um, uh, she basically plays the wife of the phys ed teacher in this lonely, desolate Texas town. Because mm-hmm. I think it's in the Panhandle or something, and. Um, just this lonely woman and you just your heart breaks every time she's on screen and she starts having an affair with one of his students sam bottoms right yep and so and then it kind of goes but then he kind of because everybody's lusting after a sybil shepherd right including the director including the director and so and then and it's just like i said it just kind of breaks your heart because she kind of got dumped again yeah (laughs) and she's really good yeah and so it's one of these things. Oh, so yeah, if you know her just from like Young Frankenstein or High Anxiety or her comedic television work, and like I said, you just watch her in these dramatic roles, and it's just like, who is this woman? Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, this is really good. And she just acted for what it sounds like seventy years, a lot, sixty years. So, you know, yeah, it's like forty-eight to twenty. Oh, math's hard. <laughs> 58, 50, 60, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, seventy-two years. Yeah, man. <laughs> And she was doing stuff right up until the end. Like I said, Dancing with the Stars was no more than like five yep. years ago. Oh, and another new one, good one. Did you guys ever see The Croods? Oh, the, the, the animated caveman thing? Came in. She I was the grandma. Oh, really? She was the grandma. <laughs> Release the baby! <laughs> <laughs> she still has a couple things in post-production, too. Oh, there's more coming. Yay! Really? Plus Tommy Oh, God, I cannot talk. Posthumous <laughs> Cloris Leachman. Yay! <laughs> Band name, I call it. Right. <laughs> right. All right. Well, any any other any other roles you want to touch on? I think we That's all I wrote. It's there for sure. Well, it just it just I love this we don't 
I, I don't know if there are more productions or just more. Yeah, yeah I think I'm going to land on there's just more stuff right now. And so you can still have a career like hers and be really good in a hundred things and still like not be heard of or not, not be as sure. famous as Cloris Leachman was, you know, that's one of the things is that she was just, she was famous, but she was never, she could probably walk down the street. Would you qualify her as a character actress? Yeah, I think I would. Okay. I mean, she comedy, drama, smaller parts. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, I, there's certain people you just kind of take and you plug them in and it's like, Ooh, this movie just got better. Mm-hmm. Yes, just, exactly. Just cause she's in the scene. It's, yeah, just ah, I love her. <laughs> love her to death. Cool. <clears throat> Poor choice of words. Sorry. <laughs> Withdrawn. She's gonna come back as a ghost and give you a venereal. Oh disease. no! <laughs> I want to see Someone that. Someone I touched. So. Oh, what a great name! So. All right, so we're yeah, gonna... go to YouTube and just like start plugging in these major TV movies. Watch them; you won't regret it. It's they're so much fun. Yeah, I'm, I miss. Yeah, I miss those. Everything I said from stories about venereal diseases to the Bermuda Triangle to Bigfoot—it's <laughs> it's incredible. The seventies, man. The seventies were awesome. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be back after the guitar noise with some recommendations. Sentient but... homicidal earth moving equipment. <laughs> That's killdozer. That's killdozer. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen killdozer. <laughs> it's not very good. Robert Urich is fine. <laughs> He's in it for two seconds and he gets run over. Or so you'd say he's great. Graded. Guitar in a way. Yeah, the, the, the less I talk, the better. Let's, let's go to recommendations. <laughs> oh, Lord. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. That, we're back. We're back. (laughs) And we're going to do a few recommendations, things we've been watching, paying attention to, uh, reading, digesting this uh, couple week period, or uh, whenever it is that we're releasing. <laughs> I don't know, man. Don't look I'm, at sorry. Me. I'm sorry. I'm oh, sorry. No, it's not, it's not a criticism at no. all. It's just like, we need to get together and record sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've, got, I've got last episode <laughs> ready to release, but I <laughs> that's it for In the Cam's no, it comes out. I'm not there too worried about it. All right, so Steph, do you have anything you've been uh, you want to recommend? Um, going along with my slipping stuff, um, I binged. I got Discovery Plus, so I could binge thirteen seasons of Flea Market Flip. Oh, <laughs> that's a fantastic! <laughs> What's the premise of Flea Market Flip? Um, it, well, it's hosted by Lara Spencer from Good Morning America, and she's apparently home decor type person but anyway she hosts the show and two teams of two have to go to one of the big flea markets out here in new england there's one in connecticut called the elephant's trunk and there's one in brimfield massachusetts which i am dying to go to later in the year um but they're huge flea markets and they have an hour and five hundred dollars to find three um three items that they can either turn into something else or 
or whatever. And then they go to a, another smaller flea market in New York City and they sell up the three items. And whoever makes the most money um, put up against the money that they spent at the flea market wins $5,000. So, that's an interesting idea. Yeah, but they... the. It's not, it's really cool and it's not and it's legit and everything, but it it is also they get a day to flip this stuff, but they also get a team of master craftsmen to help. <laughs> so there's that, that's but awesome. that's my favorite part of the show because I've I've learned like I learned about rub and buff. No idea what it was until I saw them using it on the show and other things that they do. That one was like eleven, maybe. <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry, what? I, I didn't hear that. Crudely joke. sexual joke there. Okay. Oh. Oh, and, yeah, I get it. Did they go blind? <laughs> Hi-oh! <laughs> um, yes. No. They did. Okay. You throw me off track, Mike. Uh, <laughs> we'll be quiet. <laughs> but anyway, so um, there are only a few seasons available on Hulu, and I found out that they're all on Discovery Plus's new subscription channel. So I did that. Hey, cool. That sounds okay. like, that sounds like it would be that every show would be vastly different. It is. It is. I mean, the premise stays the same throughout the entire run, but it's it's the the people are different. <coughs> Excuse me, and they're usually like couples or sisters or brothers, whatever neighbors, people who know each other pretty well, so they can so they don't fight too much. The only thing I don't like about the show is they kind of force smack talk between the two teams. Like they kind of make them like, oh, our stuff's better. I I don't like that part. Um, without that stuff, this show would be a nice, gentle st- show to have on in the background, kind of like Bake Off, you know. Sure. But but because we're American, we have to force competition into uh-huh. it. So yeah, yeah the I drama. Think, I think more reality TV would be better if it were just like, oh, we're just here doing a thing, and and maybe we're vaguely supportive of each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I Shannon and I were like, TV was this old house? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I almost applied for a job as a segment producer on this whole house. <laughs> they were looking for one. And I'm like, I, I would apply, but I don't know how to do that. So <laughs> you could figure it out. It's still I could. Thing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it is. And they, but they film out here and they're based out here. So cool. All right, Chad, do you have anything go, uh, that you've wow. been paying attention to? Bob Vila is not dead. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> oh, um, the Muppet show. It's all on Disney it's Plus. It's all on now. Disney Plus, and I was afraid that maybe it wouldn't hold up. It would be horribly dated. Oh my God, no! Oh God, it, it's what so funny. A we- I've watched probably three or four episodes, and the thing that strikes me about it is what a weird show that was. Yeah, just like really, really like the musical numbers alone were just like, yep. what are you, what are you doing? And I was like, man, I don't know what they were smoking, but it must have been awesome. Oh yeah. And so, no, I just absolutely love it. Like yeah, like circling back to Cloris Leachman. You know what else she can do? Sing opera. Oh God! <laughs> she's she's got a musical number where she's like she's singing an opera, and holy crap, that woman had some pipes too. Yeah. And, uh, the 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 segments that absolutely destroy me every time is when you know, the great Gonzo comes out and does his act. Yeah. <laughs> and it's always it's like you know um, eating a tire to the tune of Flight of the Bumblebee. But <laughs> but there there was one. What an awesome! I I thought I was gonna die. Uh, it just completely destroyed me. I think it was in the on the Julie Andrews episode where his, the act was he was going to play Ina Klein and knock music on the bagpipes while sitting on a ten foot flagpole. <laughs> so it cuts to it, and he's up there, and he's cranking it out of the bagpipes, 
unbeknownst to him down below, there's a beaver eating through the pole. <laughs> and that's the thing goes, the beaver keeps chowed away and he's playing and he keeps looking down and the beaver's getting closer and closer and closer. <laughs> and then pretty soon it's like, and the thing falls over and he crashes. And it's just so great. There's another one where he's going to jump the motorcycle from the stage into Statler and Waldorf's box seats. <laughs> going, going, and then, and then too, there's another one. It's like in the Lou Rawls episode where the running gag is Fozzie's trying to learn to roller skate. Okay. And you get to those closing segments, which are, are so great because it's just delightful bedlam there at the end. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Lou Rawls goes skating by on roller skates, just back and forth. <laughs> and all these Muppets are skating back and forth and back and forth. And the, and the band's going nuts because the closing credits have started. So anyway, so yeah, no, it's not dated. It's wonderful. And it's really weird because it's like putting disclaimers. I know. I didn't. Uh, um, for the strangest things. Yeah. Because there was one episode I watched and it was like, um, um, I think it was James Coco. And they put it on there because he's saying short people. Oh and then the God. next episode was Alice Cooper. And the whole gist of the Alice Cooper episode is he was trying to get Muppets to sign their souls over to the devil. Right. No disclaimer on that one. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, I, I saw the thing the other day that said it was a, a meme that had uh, uh, Disney Plus putting disclaimers on the Muppet Show. Meanwhile, over at HBO uh, Max, and they had pictures of South Park just doing horribly racist things. Right. You know, I mean, right. it's... it's uh... I'm glad that they're not... Like, I know they yanked a couple episodes, too. Really? Because, yeah, there's... Uh, and But they, they keep, like, a lot of it... And there's segments missing, and a lot they say that's due to like song copyright issues. Oh, sure, sure I get sure, that. Sure. That's yeah, but then that. uh, that's why a whole bunch of things haven't gotten released. Right, and then there's like one episode where like I think Richard Pryor was supposed to be on, but he freaked out and didn't show up. So they like one of the writers stepped up and was the guest star that week, <laughs> and then it turns out he's like into child pornography. Oh no! And he got busted. Oh, and so, oh no! Because I remember, because I remember as a kid, because like there's this cute little thing called the Hawaiian Cowboy where he sings this song stuck inside a dresser. And I thought it was really funny. And it's like, cause I was kind of looking for that episode and I couldn't find it anywhere. And it turns out that was that episode. Uh, and so I had a similar situation not long ago when for some reason there was a very old, not very old, but uh, an old Saturday night live uh, skit that stuck in my head uh, where I, I've mentioned this before, where Alec Baldwin was playing the mimic. And the, the joke was that he was a superhero who could mimic anyone's voice perfectly. And so he's in a hostage situation. He steps, steps up to the phone and he's very suave and goes, don't worry, Mrs. Miller, we're going to get your husband back. I have a perfect ear for mimicking voices. I'm going to get on. I'm going to pretend to be you. And I'm going to say exactly what needs to be said. And he gets on the phone and goes, hello, I'm Mrs. Devereaux. <laughs> you know, and it's just the worst impression you've ever heard, right? And I looked for it. And couldn't find it anywhere, including all the Saturday Night Live. You know, they've got the entire thing on there. And then the guy from Rick and Morty, uh, Royland, uh, what's his, something Royland, uh, I forget, the guy who does both, the voices of both Rick and Morty, had posted on Twitter while I was doing my searching that said, can no one find the mimic on Saturday Night Live? And it's like, oh, good, yeah. someone else is looking for this and can't <laughs> find it either. It's like, I'm not stupid. So, yeah, it's one of those kind of things. But, uh frustrating when you can't find those things and they're right. lodged permanently in your head you know right. and so yeah so that it aged well i love it so check out the muppet show streaming on disney plus uh, there's also a ton on youtube if you go digging yeah um also i watched uh, the latest shaft movie oh the the three generations of shaft i gotta tell you um it's Samuel Jackson right. as John, as yeah. John OK Boomer Shaft <laughs> in an unofficial in, in, in a sequel. They, I watched this is like, oh my god, this is I'm gonna get you too, sucker. You remember that movie? I I'm do gonna get, I'm gonna get you, sucker. The yeah. Wayne Brothers yeah. making fun of Black Asian movie. That was kind of fun. That's essentially what it is, and I think it's hysterical. 
It's I kind re- of a comedy. I really is. I don't know if it was trying to be a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Those or, were the best comedy. But it, kind of, but it really was because it was just so blatant and over the top. And it's just, it was really funny. And when Richard Roundtree showed up, I cheered. Yeah. And so, no, I like you said it's just so, I don't know, irreverent. I really enjoyed it because there's, so, there's so many moments that are, that are so funny because, um, like, you know, like it's the third generation. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the and the and the mom will like have nothing to do with John Shaft because he's like sleeping around with everybody. He's like, I'm not kissing that mouth. Where's that mouth been? Yeah. You know, and it's it's really funny. And I just said, I I found it. I was I was pleasantly surprised by it. Let's put it that way. Huh, well, and isn't it called like Shaft Forever or Shaft? I don't know. You know, it's got yeah. like some kind of weird yeah. subtitle if I'm yeah. remembering correctly. Like, yeah, because like starts out the kid is like that one character was an Amazon Women of the Moon. It's like blacks without soul. <laughs> It's kind of, <laughs> he kind of starts <laughs> out that way. Oh no! <laughs> the dance of love. Anyway, oh, yeah, and so so yeah, so that was kind of a surprise. So I recommend that one too. And then lastly, I finished up a book uh, by William Whitney: uh, "Into a Door, Into a Fight, Out a Door, Into a Chase." And this Good guy, title. if you if you don't know who William Whitney is, William Whitney was kind of a pioneer in the old movie serials. Okay, uh, he started out as like as a gopher, and then like a script supervisor and an editor, and then um, he started like going out on locations with stuff, and he sort of picked up directing and everything. This is really funny. Like speaking of venereal diseases, <laughs> he got he, he was basically pushed into the director's chair because they're out on some island, and uh, they had a break out of the clap. Oh no! And so they lost half the crew or something, and so they had to go back, and so he was like left alone and like shoot a couple scenes, and so he did. So that was like his <laughs> his debut as a director. But no, like what he's most famous for is he he sort of invented fight choreography in film, where it used to be you know where they have these fights. It was basically just roll the camera and have the cowboys brawl, you know, and there would be no rhyme or reason to it or anything. But then he figured out how to, you know, how to throw a punch, how to do a fall, how to do this and how to do it and shoot it, and then you can edit it together huh. into sort of a seamless fight, and. You know, like he did, like the Captain Marvel serial. He did um, um, Zoro's Fighting Legion. All the, like these world famous, like any world famous serial that are fighting devil dogs. Yeah. And I just I love watching those old serials. And um, but yeah, no, it was just it was very interesting. And it's just, it's basically yeah, it's just his life story up until he up until I hope he does another book. I'm not sure. If he, I'm not even sure if he's still around anymore. Yeah. This basically starts from the beginning until he got drafted into the Marines in World War Two where it kind of ended and he kind of came back and he directed a bunch of like Roy Roger movies. And then, um, and then he did a couple, he did a couple war films for AIP and, um, and some juvenile delinquent pictures, cool and the crazy. He did that good movie and, uh, ju- um, juvenile jungle. It's like two of the best, uh, juvenile delinquent pictures of the fifties, I think. And then I think the last movie he made was, uh, Oh, dark town strutters, this bizarre black exploitation piece from the seventies. And so, so yeah, so recommend that book too. Just Give me the title up. again. It's a great title. Uh, in a door, into a fight, out a door, into a chase. That's a great title. Yeah. I love it. So. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, just real quick for the record, I looked it up on IMDb and uh, in 1971, a movie came out called Shaft. And in 2000, a movie came out called Shaft. And in 2019, a movie came out called Shaft. And they're all, <laughs> they're all called Shaft. <laughs> Samuel Jackson was in two of them. Richard Roundtree was in all three. Well, I think this 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 latest one is a sequel to the middle one. 
but it's just called Shaft. It's just Shaft. <laughs> it's not Shaft. Can you dig no, it? It's not even called that. It's just oh, called Shaft. Okay, I liked everything about <laughs> the 2019 version of Shaft, except at the end where they did you know the theme from Shaft, which yeah. is yeah, fucking amazing. And they did this auto tune thing over the top of it. And oh. It was fuck awful. It's like, what are you doing? No, don't ruin it. No good. Yeah. All right. Well, mm. I've got two things. One of them is a soft met recommendation where uh, I'm about halfway through on HBO Go or HBO Max or whatever they're going to HBO Diddly Wadoo. Um, uh, <laughs> Perry Mason. Right. Okay. And it's. It's interesting because a it's it's very well written. You can tell they spent a ton of money on it, like uh, uh, with the uh, with making everything. Period. It's set um, right after World War II, and it's very 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 noirish. It has nothing to do with the uh, with the Raymond Burr Perry Mason. There are no courtroom scenes, at least that I've come across yet. Uh, it's all just kind of detective doing detective things and very noirish and very you know everything at night and the whole deal. But the the thing that makes it kind of a soft recommendation for me is that there are parts of it that just scream, I'm on HBO. So like in the first episode, for example, you have, you're meeting the character. He's got a great rapport with his kind of uh, uh, um, PI partner. You know, they kind of go back and forth. Uh, there's very minimal, you know, swearing or anything. And then they're, they're following a, a fatty Arbuckle type, right? Okay, sure. Following him around and he goes to a theater and they're like, oh, great. And then they catch him in the middle of the most explicit sex scene you can imagine. And then they take a picture and he chases him down the street, nude, covered in whipped cream with his, you know, thing flopping around in the back. And then it's like, oh, I'm on HBO. Here's a big penis <laughs> flapping around for, you know, 20 seconds on screen. I'm like, oh, for, okay. And then you get to the meat of the story and it's about a dead baby with its eyes sewn open. So, I mean, it's like, yeah, it's it's you know it's on hbo it's like super duper on hbo <laughs> i haven't checked that out i just like i heard so many mixed reviews on it i just haven't but th the thing that i like about it is what they do well they do really yeah. well and that's like just the straight noir stuff and the characterizations are really good and the acting's really good right. so if you want to go in like just for, for just for some hard noir yeah. with you know with that's on hbo you can you can yeah. do that and uh, just kind of beware you know a content warning but i don't know that anyone really needs to worry about that too much at this point in time <laughs> um, yeah the the care the, the acting's really really good okay and okay. and so we're gonna follow it through to the end we're about four put it on the list so my list i can't my list is too big i can't i can't okay. i can't and, there's too much to watch yeah. and the other thing i wanted to mention is uh if you are at all interested in my particular brand of bullshit um they they the town hall theater has made a uh, what they're calling a digital play out of one of my novels. And so uh, you can watch Fantastic Land, um, the Town Hall Theater production, uh, starting March 11th. And it goes through, I think it goes through, uh, it goes for about a month. So sometime at the end of April. It's going to be, now, ten, yeah. It's not the complete show. It's it's like several episodes. Is here, that right? Here's what they did. Okay. okay. So this woman named Michelle. No, I just like want people thinking, well, yeah. well I'll, I'll watch it here and think they'll get the whole thing. Right. And that's not right. right. I'll just, yeah, right. just make it clear. This woman, is, her name is Michelle Ionero. She basically, uh, she adapted it into 10, 45 minute or so long episodes. So okay. uh, it is just. Uh, serialized. This, yeah, it's serialized. It's not a production, right? This yeah. isn't like a TV show. It's a play. So there's a lot of talking heads, you know, they cut some stuff in between. So it is, it is a play. So you got to adjust your expectations a little bit, man. Some of the actors in it are really doing yeah. a good job. Yeah. And, uh, um, the director, Have you heard some of it? Yeah, I've I've watched uh, four episodes so far. Oh, 
Now, is nice. it just a live thing? I mean, can people go back and watch it later? Yes, they can go back and watch it. Okay. Which is which is kind of interesting. Okay. So, um, but only for a certain amount of time. Sure, so sure. It's, yeah, it's it's not going to exist in perpetuity. Yeah. You can't do it. You know, it's not going to be up like a Netflix show or something. Yeah. It's it's got a window that you can watch sure. it in. So you know, watch like, it like for working window. nights. It's like, well, I can't really tune in live. Is there any other way I can watch it? Yep, so. yep. But they, they they they'll have it going for for about a month. So, okay. um, I'm. It's I, I'm not quite sure how to point people toward it other than to say go to my my website, which is MikeBachoven.com or my Facebook page, which is uh, Facebook.com slash Bachoven Books, because there's a really great pencil artist who beat me to it, who has my name. And uh, <laughs> um, uh, you, can, you can look at the at the tickets. It's it's a fundraiser for the town hall theater uh, in San Francisco or in California. It's just outside of San Francisco. And if you're at all interested, that would be great. So. It's it's been an interesting journey, an interesting experience, and and there are some, it's it's cool to watch other artists take some take some something you did and run with it, and and my my general sense throughout the whole thing is you guys are like really talented. Why are you down here with me slumming it? You know, you could like do do actual stuff, and it's like no, we're gonna we're gonna do your your brand of bullshit. No, so like, that's right. imposter syndrome, Mike. You deserve yeah, it. it. Uh, You're it good be, enough. Yeah, Gosh darn it. So, so those are our recommendations. What else are we gonna do with the Iceman coming? Come on! Yeah, <laughs> I don't care. That thing is like five hours long. Well, this thing's like ten hours long. Yeah. <laughs> the caveman movie. Turns out no, no caveman. No, no, It's about some dude. Who's <laughs> yeah. For like five hours. Cool. But hey, Robert Ryan's in it, so I stuck it out. It was cool. Absolutely. All right. So that's our. Oh, go ahead. No, that's it. I oh, cool. <laughs> All right. So that's our episode this week of RIP Cloris Leachman. And we'll be back in a little bit. Uh, we appreciate you listening and, and uh, would love to hear your thoughts on, on the, the count episode. of three. One, two, two three. three. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to The Atomic Weight of Cheese, where cult cinema is real life and real life is frequently cult cinema. You can visit our website at theatomicweightofcheese.com, follow us on Twitter at A-W-O-C Podcast, see us on Facebook at facebook.com slash atomicweightofcheese, or shoot us an email at atomicweightofcheese at gmail.com. We love your feedback. Blue